Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, Y-E-G, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Vish and creative control. I have for many years. I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Vish's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason... I think you should throw Vish, like, what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Vish's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Creative Control with Vish Khanna is part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. Episode 698 of Creative Control features a conversation with Polaris Music Prize-winning hip-hop artist Cadence Weapon, a.k.a. Roly Pemberton, about his new memoir, Bedroom Rapper, which was published by McCullen and Stewart in the spring of 2022. This conversation between Roly and Vish was recorded live before an audience at Glass Books in Edmonton, Alberta, on Thursday, June 16th, 2022. Good evening. 
Everybody, welcome to Glass Books in Edmonton, Alberta. It's nice to see you all. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be here with you. We're celebrating the launch of this book by somebody who came home, if, if you will. Somebody who's back in town. He's a world-renowned hip-hop artist. He's an MC. He's a producer. He's a journalist. And now, with the launch of Bedroom Rapper, which is right here, he is a soon-to-be best-selling author... <laughs> Make some more noise for the reigning Polaris Music Prize champion, your own Rolly Pemberton, a.k.a. Cadence Weapon. How you doing, Rolly? I'm doing well. It's, yeah. ni- it's nice to have you back. Uh, uh, what's it like to be back? Uh, it's always nice to come back, you know, see my family representing over here. Um, it's also nice to see the city change just a little bit every time I come back. You know, gives me something to look forward to. You know? I was going to ask you about that because I'm pretty new to this uh, city. Been here a couple years. Uh, this particular area we're in was it? Is it much different than it was when you were living here? It's pretty similar. Just this particular block, I think. It reminds me because back in the day, the the big thing that's different is this is very close to where uh, the uh, View Weekly office was for a while. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a yeah. Shout out, shout out, View Weekly. That's a very scattered applause for hard copy media, <laughs> print media. Yeah. You yeah. used to freelance for View, right? I did. Yeah. And yeah. see both. Right, and then they got amalgamated and destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, mean, I take no glee in that. I, I learned that from your book, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it happened here, and we're seeing a similar thing happen in Toronto uh, with Now Magazine. Yeah, that's right, which I contributed to as well. So mm-hmm. I feel your pain. Uh, yeah, reading your book. First of all, congratulations on this book. It's unbelievable. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has a copy already? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Everyone came prepared? With their homework assignment completed, that's great. One of my goals with writing this book is I wanted it to be, you know, you, you can't go to a house party in Edmonton without seeing it in the house, you know? And it's like a faux pas if you didn't have it. So that was my goal with the book. Well, that's an interesting goal to have in life. Uh, <laughs> actually, speaking of goals, let's get right to it. What was your motivation for writing this book? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, there were a few things. Um, I felt like... You know, I've wanted to write a book for a long time, and initially I was writing a, f- a fictional book, and it was a fictionalized account of my DJing career in Montreal, and I, I was calling it Train Wrecker, and I actually performed a bit of it at um, Horlack Park um, for Interstellar Rodeo a few years ago, and I was talking to my friend Stephanie, and she was like, yeah, that was great, but I, I wish you would just actually just write about your own your career. And I, was, I had never really thought of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I will. So then I adapted that chapter. I started, you know, talking to the publisher. And then it became this thing. I'm writing a memoir. You know? Oh, okay. And, but, like, for me, I don't see a lot of people like me getting the opportunity to r- write a book, you know. And uh, I just feel like, you know, as, like, a young black man from Edmonton who's a rapper, you know. It's something that people used to consider very niche. <laughs> But um, I'm hoping we can prove them wrong with this book. You yeah. Know, I won't be the last. Well, I hope so, too. So I feel like your time at Edmonton was sort of bittersweet. Is that safe to say? I'm basing this on your book. 
It has fostered everything you are now. Mm-hmm. It's given you the opportunities you have now, but at some point you had to leave. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it, everyone has a complicated relationship with their hometown, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like a, a strange energy whenever I'm here. And it's a, it's good. It's a good thing. Like I feel extremely creative when I'm here in a very extreme way. You know, like I've been like freestyling all day, and it was like unintentional. You know, like it's just there's something about being here, walking the streets, and I just get all these little ideas. But you know, when I was living here, um, especially when I first started, you know, putting out music, uh, it was a little challenging because it was it was a little difficult finding my place in the scene so to speak you know it felt like you know in the indie rock scene you know which is what i kind of associated with more than the rap scene here you know i felt a bit like a tourist or something you know i i would be like the only black person at any show yeah. and it was kind of like you know I, I i was just happy to be there you know but then looking back on it you know it felt like i felt very like othered you know? Right. I mean, it's. I understand where you're, where you're coming from in terms of your place in this city, but I was thinking about you today. I wasn't freestyling, thankfully. <laughs> but I was thinking about you today, and I think I've conveyed this to you many times. You are someone I, I think of as always being ahead of your time. Mm-hmm. And what that can lead to is, yes, you're a pioneer, and those who recognize what you're talking about or putting out there. And when I say talking about, this is the example I always cite. When I was living in Ontario and Guelph, my wife and I had a show every Wednesday morning. It was an early morning show, 7 to 9. Very few live guests would be on. But Rolly was in town, one of the earliest times in Guelph, Ontario, mm-hmm. and was there at like 7 in the morning. And we were freaked out that someone was actually joining us <laughs> in person. Who would have the audacity and the courtesy? But you played some music that day that I hadn't heard of. And then most of those artists blew up within six months. And I was like, okay, I have to pay attention to what this person's talking about. They know. You're a tastemaker. The tragic part of this is uh, you're not appreciated in your time. You put out music like Breaking Cafe. Like I was listening to it last night. I'm like, what year did that come out again? It was late 2005. That's ridiculous. Like it's so ahead of its time. And then everyone played catch up. Like you've cited this before. Like when you heard Yeezus, I believe. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> which came out what 2015 yeah. 11 yeah so that it, you were he must have known your records well you know it's it's you know I, here's my thing with ideas now i feel like you know i kind of talk about this in the book but yeah. it's just like all every idea is in the ether and it's just like you have to have your antenna up uh and it's open for everyone to grab if you are open enough to it you know so i've gotten a, a lot better at not saying that everything was my idea first yeah, fair enough. Yeah. With age comes humility. <laughs> yes. But when I read your book, that's what I'm struck by. It feels like everything you did as a kid was a little bit different than what other kids were doing, and, and it was ahead of its time. That's where I was coming from. Like mm-hmm. Almost all the beats you made, the way you dealt with the Internet when you were young. So did that contribute to being ahead of your time in Edmonton, which I think you also sort of say was a little behind its time just because of the mm-hmm. market it was? Do you think that contributed to any alienation and needing to leave on any level? I think a little bit. I mean, I I always felt like an outsider, you know, and in every situation I've ever been, I've always felt outside. I've always felt different. And I always felt like I saw things differently, you know, and it's been, it's very painful to live life like that way. You know, like I feel like you're talking about the trailblazer stuff and it's like, yes, you know, 
I'm doing all this new stuff and my idea is like I want to make it easier for like the next people to do something interesting and it's you know that's cool right but then for me it's just like I'm pushing this snow plow myself and then I'm like you know knee deep in snow and it's uh, and I'm really cold (laughs) you know and so it can be hard yeah yeah. That, that, you're just talking about Edmonton right now. Uh, yeah. This, yeah. I'm yeah. Reminiscing. Yeah, reminiscing. <laughs> Bedroom rapper. Mm-hmm. What does that connote? Yeah, so the idea is um, it was inspired by this uh, interview that I had early in my career. Um, they came to my house uh, when I lived right next to the Sugar Bowl for a while. And uh, it was McLean's. And they came and they wanted to interview me because they'd seen all this stuff I was doing on the internet and I'm making this music. And, you know, they took a, they took a photo of me with, like, a first-generation iPod and, like, some, like, ratty headphones on. And they were like, it's the revenge of the amateur. It's the bedroom artist. Right. He makes the music in his house. Can you believe that? And, you know, at the time I was, like, really pissed off. You know, because I was like, I made this in a studio, really. You know, like at Nick's studio. It's like real place. Yeah. But um, thinking back, I kind of took it as like kind of a battle cry. You know, it was like. But again, ahead of your time on some level. Like they absolutely. Weren't, they no. weren't ready. Like who doesn't have a home studio? No, I know. Now yeah. it's very commonplace. Like there was, this is the thing that I have to always explain to people. And it makes me sound really old. Yeah. But it's like, listen, when I first started, you know, there was no garage band. There was no, you know, like laptops, like people didn't even really have those that much. You know, uh, there's no YouTube. So there are no YouTube tutorials that teach you how to make trap hi-hats or whatever. (laughs) You know, like I had to just make it up on myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was uh, really hard. Yeah. And I was the only person I knew who was doing it. Now it's everyone and their dog's doing it. Yeah, and as you mentioned in the book, uh, uh, nowadays uh, that stuff would automatically back up to the cloud. But you had the experience of losing everything because of the technology, right? Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. I had an experience. Um, my first album basically almost never, almost didn't come out because you know I was working on it on and off. I went to university in the states and I came back. And uh, my mom's boyfriend at the time, a guy named Sebastian, he. Um, There's somebody in the audience shaking their head ruefully, <laughs> just at the memory of Sebastian. Oh my God. <laughs> That guy, I hated that guy. Um, just, just setting the scene. And uh, so he was uh, young at heart, and he liked to play a lot of video games, and he was using the family computer, and he got a virus on it, and it wiped my whole album. Yeah, so I had to start over. I had to start over completely. Just a quick temperature check. Is Sebastian here tonight? <laughs> Can we talk Where, to Sebastian? Is he in Switzerland now? Yeah. Switzerland, he had to yeah. go to a neutral country? That's how yeah. bad? <laughs> Someone had to, he like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that was a sad part of your book, and I didn't mean to spoil anything, but it, that's just how ahead of it you were again, like using primitive technology on some level, right? But the thing is, like, you know, that negative, I ended up turning it into a positive, because, you know, I, I, got, I had been sending little fragments of the songs to my friends and my girlfriend at the right. time, and um, I got them to send them back, and I like, I ended up kind of making Frankenstein new versions yeah. of these old tracks. Like I was just like, and it ended up making it kind of more singular, more weird, and yeah. that I feel like it was a blessing in disguise that I had to yeah. do that because I ended up improving on the songs a bit more. Speaking of blessings, uh, maybe not in disguise, but your family is a huge part of your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
your uncle is among the people who first put you on stage and all that sort of stuff. Talk about that. Talk about having, uh, for those who don't know, you're, you have a rich, your family has a rich history. I'm sure most of the people in this room know, actually, about your family, possibly, but people listening uh, to this podcast and elsewhere may not. Tell us about your family and their, their role in this city. Yeah, so my family basically really starts from my grandparents, uh, Marianne and Rolly Miles. Woo-hoo! Yes, yeah! who um, Rolly Miles played for the uh, Edmonton Elks back yeah! in the day and won uh, three Grey Cups uh, and is a Hall of Famer and there's a field named after him. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think having that as my family background, you know, that was really important to me growing up. But, you know, music has always been a big thing in my family, whether it's, you know, Uncle Tony playing drums or, like, uh, my Uncle Brett, Brett Miles, who's an amazing musician and really was, like, the kind of person who informed me performing, getting on the stage for the first time. My dad, Teddy, was a radio DJ on CGSR for over 20 years, had a show called The Black Experience and Sound, and where he would play everything from... You know, uh, Jimi Hendrix to Phyllis Hyman to, like, Nas. You know, like, he's just he was the first... To me, he was, like, the first mashup DJ. He was, like, yeah. way ahead of his time. But um, on top of that, you know, going to my aunt and uncle's place uh, for karaoke yeah. was crucial in St. Albert. Um, I write about it. I write about how we do karaoke competitions where we all do the same song and we compete on who does the best version and everyone is trying to one-up each other and it's a lot of fun I've I've never seen it anywhere else uh, but I feel like you know I grew up around performing tell 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 the people listening what kinds of songs you would do I know there was one particular song yeah (laughs) yeah it's the it's from dream girls it's uh and I am telling you I am not going you know it's that's no no one <laughs> asked you to stop you can no, keep yeah. going well i that's you know I, that's the song that we usually do for the challenge but, yes that's right um you know i have a few standards that i do like as i imagine me as a small child doing um new york new york that was my go-to karaoke song like just just belting i was always regional how about that? Huh? You were regional? Oh, regional? Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing <laughs> songs about then. cities. Yeah, I see. Songs about cities. That's true. That's fair. Okay, so your family was a huge part of you even feeling like you could do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Then, uh, one of the landmarks in this city, uh, known around the world, West Edmonton Mall. Yeah. This is a key place for you, isn't it? Yeah, I was um, a bit of a mall rat. I spent a lot of time in the mall. I learned a lot in the mall. Learned how to fight. No. I was there today, in fact. I, uh, I called Rolly today, and he was, he was just at the mall. And I was yeah. like, I haven't even been to the mall. What were you doing at the mall? Um, yeah, I was shopping. That makes... I got this shirt there That today. makes so much sense. And fighting. Yeah, and I was fighting, fighting people. Yeah, yeah. But that mall, is that the mall you worked at? Yeah, I worked at HMV at West Edmonton Mall. Um, as a young man and that was honestly one of the best jobs ever and I still I really enjoyed every moment of it um, back then I spent my entire paycheck on CDs and I was just obsessively listening to music all the time and I, I was like overly into the job 
Like um, when I would be selling CDs, people would come up, uh, and I was just be like, "Hey, uh, I can let me." Do, I was trying. To, I was basically like um, Pandora, or like I was like Spotify, like algorithm before it existed. Like I was just like, "Oh, you like that rap album? Oh, let me recommend you something else." Yeah. You know? I was just, I was like so into it, you know. Yeah, no, and it was formative for you because you got to hear records like before they came out and all that kind of thing. Oh, that was the best. Like it would be the night before, like the Black Album by Jay Z comes out, and we're just playing it on the floor, and, I'm, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm like one of the first people to hear this. This is sick." You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So you have all these formative experiences. You've got your family uh, that are musically inclined. You are gravitating towards music on your own via the burgeoning internet and your jobs and all that sort of stuff. What? pushes you forward into actually thinking you can do this you have something to contribute yeah i mean you know i started off just like in school i would just write my little raps with my friends and stuff and math class and you know passing rhymes back and forth and i was just it it was an incremental process like i you know and then i'd be back home like uh on the computer like on message boards i'd be on the rapmusic.com message board (laughs) Where I would meet fellow rappers and uh, we would trade off our rhymes that we would type. We were tech C's and we would just uh, rap only with lyrics. Like we wouldn't rap out loud. And um, that was like how I honed my writing. And it was just like an incremental thing. And then I was like, okay, let me use this this old school skinny computer mic and let me try and rap into this, you know. And then I was finding out about local shows and I was just like, it's sooner, uh, eventually it was just like, I was like recording with my friend at uh, HMV, Van, yep. who uh, I would yep. be um, under the couch cushions in his apartment, uh, just and that was like our recording booth. And uh, yeah, I'd be recording my first demos and stuff there. So I, we haven't even got to the journalism part of your life yet, and I want to get there. What I'm hearing, though, is as soon as you could, you got online and you were on message boards. As soon as you could, you were talking to people in the record store about music. And then eventually, as we'll get to, I think, you started writing about music. It just seems to me that from here, relatively remote place, you were trying to reach out. You're trying to connect with people. Is that a primary driving force for you as an artist? Definitely. Yeah. No, I think that's like the main thing. It's like I think everything I do, I want to bring people together more, you know, and it's like I want to... I want to contribute, you know, I just always want people to be able to take something away from what I do, whether it's my music or like this book, like a big part of it is me, you know, if it's basically like me at the HMV um, to anyone who reads it, because yeah. I'm like recommending all these albums and oh my there's God. a whole crazy, it's I, great. Made, yeah. I made a playlist, by the way, it's on my Spotify, if you check it out on YouTube it's as well, and it's like, 20, is it on, is it on like Pandora? 20, is it also on Pandora? No, no but it's just somebody Spotify, could put yeah. it on there. Okay, yeah. But um, it's like 24 hours of music, and it's like uh, I worked on it almost as hard as working on the book. I will tell you, for those who haven't read it yet, uh, I had a similar kind of experience as I did with the Beastie Boys book. Mm-hmm. Did you read that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I read it. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing. I really like it. But what mm-hmm. it, what one of the things that they do, Adam and Mike? is they just cite records. They cite records that influenced them and, and records they sampled. And so I had my phone. I often, not to tell you too much information, but I tend to read at night in bed. Picture me in bed right now. <laughs> it's getting gross. <laughs> anyway, I read at night and I have my phone on my nightstand. And if I'm reading a book like the Beastie Boys book, I'm just constantly picking my phone and adding records to my music library. Same thing happened with your book. Mm-hmm. And I felt like dumb 
because I'm like, I, I haven't spent that much time with that record. And Rolly thinks it's the greatest thing ever. So again, I just want you to know that I admire you. Okay. <laughs> I just... I just... I value your opinion, and you speak so enthusiastically about the stuff you like. It's, it's, uh, what is it? it's, it's uh, you know, it's contagious. Oh, I love that. Infectious is it's another infectious. word, but we don't use it anymore yeah. because of the pandemic. Yeah. Contagious is a bit better. But anyway, it's the same thing. So all I'm getting at is, yeah, as if you haven't yet read the book, you will f- keep your phone or your record player or whatever nearby because you will be adding all the records it really talks about. And then... That, I think, is a decent enough segue to get you, get us into you being a journalist. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wanted to point out just like the I, – I try to approach everything with like enthusiasm and optimism and positivity now. Yes. But I didn't always, and I had to learn to do that. As a 17 – were you 17-year-old – 17 years old and writing for Pitchfork? Yeah, yeah, I was 17. And you were the only real hip-hop writer there? I was had? the only hip-hop writer yeah. back then. I was the only person from – I was the first person from Canada ever to write there. You know, and I was like in university in Hampton, Virginia at the time, like doing classes and writing for Pitchfork at the same time. So uh, from a very early age, somehow you had the confidence to assert your opinions. You uh, you place uh, some excerpts from your reviews (laughs) in the book and they're pretty dense. They're pretty lofty. Uh, What did you think? They're terrible. (laughs) There's word salad. I wasn't going to say they were terrible, but they are... They're pretty good for a teen. They're like, uh, yeah, they're a little pretentious. They're very pretentious. Because I wrote for Pitchfork. You say very, I said a and little. I thought that was normal. I thought yeah. it was... Yeah. yeah, so you... there's some, But you wanted to assert yourself and also involve yourself in the culture so much so that you started to hear from some of your heroes. Oh, God, yeah. Via email. And that yeah. was a humbling experience, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay, so there's this one experience I write about in the book where... I got an email from LP, who is now super famous artist with uh, Run the Jewels. But at the time, it was more underground rap. He had this label, Def Jux. And, you know, I was a big fan of his music. And he emails me to tell me that the review I wrote, he's like, oh, you know, man, you know, it made me feel bad, but I have to admit it was pretty funny. Right. You know? <laughs> right? And most people would leave it there and be like, oh, thanks, man. Like, shout out to you if you were a mature person. But I think I must have been... I had come home from like the bar or something like it was like I was like and I just responded to the email at that night or something like and I was just gave him all this um, criticism I gave him all this like um, you know uh, un- constructive criticism yeah. on how to run his label which I, I was like is failing your label is failing now I was like you need to uh, you should sign this rapper you should get uh, this one rapper seems like he's smoking way more weed now get him off the weed you know uh, and uh, he's like you should go back to doing the shit you were doing three years ago you know like I was just yeah as an artist today now you know what the fuck was I thinking I I was gonna say like who the hell do you think you are Uh, well yeah yeah. yeah. Who the, did I think I was? Who did? Yeah. So this is a that's an interesting part uh, aspect of doing a work like this. I'm sure you've had it maybe after the last record, Parallel World, where you make a thing and it teaches you something about yourself. Like once you're done and you step back, you look at it and you think, oh, shit, I didn't even know I thought that way. I didn't know I felt that way. This something came out of me subconsciously. This is a whole, you know, you're diving deep. So mm-hmm. what do you come away from? Like, what did you learn the most about yourself in finishing this book? Oh, from re- writing this book, 
I realized like the way that I was able to come back in my career, you know, for like I didn't put on an album for like six years, you know, after the label I was on collapsed, yeah. you know, and um, I I had to I had lost everything. Like I didn't have booking agent label, I didn't have PR, I didn't have anything that you need to like be an artist, and I just kind of had to do everything myself, like super DIY, and it was like really extremely challenging at the time. Um, but what I learned from it and like reminded myself in writing the book is um, I think you're capable of more than what you think you are. Yeah. You know, I think that really applies to all of us. You know, it's all this stuff that I had never, you know, I didn't know how to like book a show for myself or book a festival for myself or advocate for myself as an artist in that way. And then I just learned, taught myself how to do it. Yeah. And it turned out well. And yeah. then like, it was like, I was building up all this momentum myself. And it was like, I was like, how did I do that again? This is crazy. Well, so it is a book uh, that I think uh, tells a triumphant story, but it is very much a book about uh, exploitation. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much you want to talk about this because we want people to read the book and enjoy the book. I don't want to spoil anything. We've already spoiled like 50 things. My fault. Oh, no. this We're, we're out here spoiling, man. We're, we're trying great. to get people to buy the book. I, yeah. Aren't you enticed? <laughs> don't you want to buy the book now? No, um, it's cool. They all bought it already. They all bought it already? Okay, good. <laughs> no, but uh, in a nutshell, I don't... I was vaguely, because I'm in the Canadian music industry, I know specifically when record company people are shady. Mm -hmm. And I got bad vibes from your, the experience you had, the, the label you were on. But it's a running, it's not like you just devote a chapter to this. Mm -hmm. This is a running theme yeah. of you talking about how you felt uncertain. Uh, you're writing in hindsight, of course, like you, you know that you got jacked uh, you know you were cheated yeah i think the the reason why i did it the way i did is because i wanted it wanted to be like a bit of like foreshadowing yes yes but yes. also because i wanted to feel the way it felt for me because it's right. like while i'm doing all this other stuff yeah i'm like pl playing all these big festivals in europe and like it seems like i'm this big rap star but then i'm not actually getting the money from the shows and yeah. is there's a lot of confusion as to where the money is yeah. but i'm so busy that i can't even really properly look into it and they keep me busy and keep me out of the loop of what's actually happening yeah. like i wanted to like show that experience in the way i wrote it i mean this is what actually happened to you but in sharing it with others your story becomes a cautionary tale you're hoping to teach younger artists uh marginalized artists like keep your head up basically absolutely yeah i wanted to, i just wanted to be that was a big reason for me writing is that i wanted to be this document to be like you know this is you know what not to do you can learn from what what, I, what happened to me but also just to you know, I, I, I get to reclaim the experience, Yeah. you know, and it's like for me, I had a lot of shame and embarrassment about it because it's like, you know, this is why the, the industry is the way it is, yeah. is they make it so you don't want to talk to other artists about your what happened to you. And it just keeps the exploitation happening over and over. Like I just read this article today in The New York Times about uh, one of the members of Grandmaster Flash and the, and the Furious Five. And Woo! and uh, yeah, shout out to them. But he's uh, going to jail now, and he he fell on hard times and everything. Oh, no. And they just talk about their experience signing their first record deal, and this is for like the earliest rap that ever came out, and it sounds exactly like my label deal. Wow. It's, it's 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 like it's like uh, I was triggered like seeing it. I was like, whoa, this is exactly the same. I mean, I will say first of all, I'm very sorry for what happened to you, and I'm sorry like it's weird for me because throughout the 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 era you're discussing, that's when you and I would interact. Like all mm -hmm. the time, like yeah. you're mentioning 
events that occurred and I was there at some of it, you know, mm-hmm. peripherally or whatever. So I feel I felt badly that I didn't know how bad it was, if that makes any sense. So um, I really don't... I brought you here to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to apologize because yeah. it's not your fault. And it's like not something that I was talking about to anybody at that yeah. time. You know, it was like this like private shame I had, you know. Yeah. But it's like also here's my thing is like I try to talk about it in the book in a way that is not you know, this isn't like some like woe is me kind of situation. It's more just this is what happened to me and it didn't kill me. Yeah. You know? That's the big takeaway is that like, you know, you can feel like you're going to hit rock bottom or something and you get there and then you're just like, oh, well, I'm just like looking up. Everything yeah. is fine and it's up from here. You know, yeah. so. Well, one of the interesting things about your career, and I think it comes through in the book a little bit, and we've talked about this, particularly with your last couple of records, the, the self-titled one in Parallel World. I think you have made a transition from talking about more personal things and uh, starting to speak out about more universal things. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that a way of encapsulating? Uh, what I'm getting at is I feel like some of your earliest records were like, here's what me and my friends are doing and into. And then as, as things developed and things got harder. You make it sound so whack. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I no. mean, it was good. Well, you know. I love those records. Yeah, and I know you mean I love them. I think there was some uh, quiet, not quiet, there was some community uh, outspokenness within those records as well. Yeah, when when I actually go back and listen to them, I realize that I was uh, hinting towards what I would do in the future. Like, you know, a song like um, 30 Seconds, you know, it was politically minded, it was social. I'm being completely reductive, obviously, but I think, like I said, you and I have had a couple conversations about your last couple records, and you... You're right. No, I agree with you. Yeah, so it's interesting to me that you are in this phase in your life, and maybe it's just because you're older and you've been doing more stuff. You seem more in an instructional mode. Like, I'm going to inform people about what I went through so they don't make the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. And also that I'm going to talk about the plight of my people and my culture so that people feel like, you know, uplifted by it. Is that a fair way of addressing what you're doing? Definitely. I feel like part of it is I felt like my older music, you know, I would talk about, you know, I'd have songs where I'd be talking about gentrification, but on a very shallow level. Um, very real, surface. I mean, real estate, one of my son's favorite, he knows every word. <laughs> He's 10 and he wish they wish they could be here tonight, but they're. They're not doing. They're not feeling the best. They got a cold. Anyway, uh, so anyway, it loves you. Loves that song. Yeah, yeah, but real yeah. estate is an example of that. Yeah, that's a great yeah. example of yeah. that. And it's like, you know, in that in the absence between albums where you know I didn't put out an album for six years, I think I rethought like what I wanted to do with music and really rethought about how I wanted to frame things and yeah. I wanted to get more like literary with it. I wanted to get more uh, widescreen. You know, like I wanted to really pull back and like see things like on an institutional level, you know, and really, you know, it's the first time I really started doing like research for making an yeah. album, you know, like Parallel World. And, you know, I read a bunch of books. I, you know, but Canadian, Canadian history, in fact. Yeah, no, more. exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I did like hello research for it. And, you know, it, it resonated with people, you know, yeah. and I feel like it was also these last two albums that I realized that I can make, uh, you know, a positive social change through my music, you know, and. Yeah. You know, it's like it took me a long time to realize that, you know, yeah. like that, you know, for instance, talking about Africville, Africville's Revenge, you know, I get so many people telling me, like, thank you for, you know, bringing up this history that is hidden, you know, yeah. talking about Amber Valley, talking about these places, you know. Yeah, absolutely. No, I feel like you are in a place where you feel like you have a, a different role to play. Yeah. 
No. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I feel like yeah. just as I get older, yeah. you know, like I feel like I have a, more of a responsibility, you know, like I just don't want to put out a record just to put out a record, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is a potentially a dumb question. Um, actually, sorry. This is potentially another dumb question uh, from me. <laughs> but you have this background in journalism. You're a hip-hop artist, which means you, you deal with words in a way that some, most people don't. Uh, you just have a... You like words. Does that give you a, a greater foothold in writing a book? Like when they're like, uh, it has to be uh, 100,000 words, you're like... I can do that in my sleep. That's like three songs. Like, do you have that? <laughs> I think it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Did you, you know? find it informed your ability to tell these kinds of stories? Like your background as a writer? Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely. Yeah. Like I, I, especially on my last album, like I feel like I saw things through journalistic lens, you know, yeah. and especially, you know, like my uh, fiance, which we just got engaged. Oh, um, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. Um, Gotta so, get uh, Sebastian a ticket to that. Oh yeah, he's fly him over. No, <laughs> no, leave him. Sorry, he's not. Didn't invited. mean to bring Sebastian up again. It was a callback. Sorry no, about that. Uh, no, congratulations. That's great. What, you got a date? You got a well? Yeah, it's in September. Oh, yeah. I'll look for the invite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Only if you come with Sebastian. I'll bring Sebastian. Okay. I'll, I'll go do a hard target search. Find him. Bring him over. <laughs> No. Anyway, sorry. I don't know why we're talking about Sebastian so much. It's my fault. What were you going to say? Um, oh, um, what was I talking about? You were talking about... Oh, yeah, the, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, my partner, she, uh, she's a newspaper reporter, and she's a, a, a labor reporter, and she, you know, being during the pandemic, like, we were working side by side. I was working on my book. She was, like, doing her thing. And just, um, I really was influenced by her, not just in writing the book, but also working on my album by just the, you know, attention to detail and... Yeah. and and like the empathy that she works with when you know she's she's interviewing you know exploited migrant workers and stuff and you know it's I I it made me really just rethink you know it's like I don't want to just be rapping about rapping yes you that's know? so what I said earlier was horrible about you just talking about you and your friends that's totally fine yeah but it was it was like a lot I think you were at a zone where like I'm gonna prove I'm a great great rapper. Yeah. Beyond anything, whatever I'm saying, I'm just going to prove to people that I can rap like nobody else. And so I feel that's where the the things have evolved. Yeah, and I feel like uh, my earlier stuff was much more insular. Like yeah, it was that's just what I'm getting at. it yeah. was just for my friends and like inside jokes and for myself really. Like I I just made like the craziest music I could and I just I didn't really care about who listened to it or yeah. you know what it would do once it was done. Like it was just my it was like really like art for art's sake, you know, yeah. which I think is very rad and it's cool when people have an opportunity to do that cuz yeah. people don't often bankroll that kind of stuff anymore. But I feel like I realized I had kind of a higher calling with music, you know, and I just wanted to one definitely show my artistry and show like the level of, you know, my rap skill. I wanted to sh- I wanted to show folks absolutely you know but yeah. uh, I also wanted to do something that you know I think a lot in terms of you know my legacy and I think a lot in terms of like the longevity of what I make and it's like I want to make stuff that isn't you know nowadays when you a new album comes out on Spotify you know you listen to it for like three days and then people are like when's the next one right people don't really listen to music in the same way yeah but like I try to you know still make albums that have a level of substance that you can listen to it multiple times and appreciate it on multiple levels and 
you know, you can uh, come to the end of the album and take something away from it. Yeah. You know, and it's that was something that was really important for me. I think it's true of the book, too. I'm, I'm just reading it again for the second time uh, in preparation for this. I didn't quite finish it before we got here. Sorry. But uh, I did read it once. What? I know. I've, I'm just being honest with you, man. I'm sorry. It's but cool. no, it's wonderful. I've been enjoying it. And it's a, another remarkable achievement for you. What is sort of next for you right now? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I put out this book. And so I, that's been really crazy. But um, I have a bunch of festivals this summer. Um, I'm playing Calgary Folk Fest. I'm playing Montreal Jazz Fest, Winnipeg Folk Fest. Like just I'm all over the place. Um, if anybody knows uh, Terry at um, Edmonton Folk Fest, you should uh, ask him to book me because I'm a local artist who uh, who's done pretty pretty well with music. So I don't know if I've earned uh, enough credit to play the festival. So I feel like there's some local politics subtweeting happening in real life right now. Yeah. What's going on? Perhaps. I don't know enough about this situation. I don't know, man. I don't. I guess I'm not folky enough to play Edmonton Folk Fest, but I am playing Winnipeg Folk Fest, Calgary Folk Fest, um, Regina, Regina Folk Fest. Um, are there any Folk Fest left? Calgary Folk Fest. Are you? Are you not? Have you ever played Edmonton Folk Fest? Never. Because never of the rapping. Um, maybe. Um, huh. I don't know. It might just be me. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody's got to tell me because you know. Well, I think we'll find out after this podcast comes out. <laughs> well, okay, so you've got a full... You know, I didn't even talk about it. This Polaris Music Prize win, big deal for all of us who love you. <laughs> has, it, has it sort of changed your life in any material way? Like the- it has totally changed my life, yeah. Well, because, you know, before I won it, I won the Polaris Prize. I'm just reminding you all. Uh, artist from Edmonton won the Polaris Prize first time. You know that, but you know it, it did change my life because it was like before that I was this kind of known quantity. People are like, okay, this is you know we know that he makes the rap. He's a weird guy or whatever. And then when I won that, suddenly people are like, how did you do it? You're the Oracle. Oh my gosh. Oh, you're like this elder statesman. Like the way people saw me, I think changed a little bit. And uh, it's been helpful okay, in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it is really exciting to be like, oh, I won the same award as like Buffy St. Marie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Arcade Fire, like, you know, like I'm on, you know, I'm up with them. You know, it's, yeah. it's a nice feeling. I just mean like you mentioned all that, those slew of festivals you play. Like that's mm. the kind of change you end oh, yeah. up experiencing. Like you get those slots and you get to play ex- yeah, usually, everywhere except for some reason the Edmonton Folk Festival. Yeah. Usually it's enough to play all those festivals except for Edmonton Folk Fest. I don't know if anyone realizes it, but Rolly has never played the Edmonton Folk Festival. I've been to it a lot. I went every year for almost my entire life. But I've never played it. Just saying. It just seems like you have a yeah. bone to pick with the Edmonton Folk Festival. That's, I'm just trying to read between no, the lines. No, no, no. no I, I'll... No. Oh, the, oh, okay. Okay. Well, damn. Okay, there's, we're getting some commotion here. I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to get that's, in trouble. That's my, no, cousin. that's my cousin. Oh, okay. Really, I'm really glad he's joined the interview. It's right near my... It takes place Thanks, right near my, my house, so I will go over there and talk to someone. Yeah, you should go down the hill and I'll give, give, him him. The, yeah. give him the what for. Other things that have changed, yes. though. Yes, You know, I feel like, um, you know, people have been coming to me in, in the press more often and stuff, you know. Whenever um, some black thing happens, they want to ask me about it. 
which is which is I actually don't mind because I can actually speak to these things. But sometimes it gets a little exhausting being like the voice of yeah Black Canada. Yeah. Well, uh, if anyone's equipped to handle the complexity of that, I think it's you. So I'm happy that it's happening to you. I'm sorry it sucks for you, on the one hand. But you know what I'm getting at? Like, yeah, I, know. I think you can handle it. You know what? You know the game is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're I, the oracle. I am. <laughs> that, that's the, that's what I should call my my album, my next album, the Oracle. Hey, you said next album. Are you working on your next album? I am. I'm actually like pretty deep into it, to be honest. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I've been working on it a lot. Do you sense a concept emerging? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot about uh, technology. It's about um, oh. a lot about social media and our dueling identities, whether it's like in the real world or online. And um, yeah, I've got songs there. You know, I have a song about phone alarms. I've got a song about uh, being shadow banned on social media. I've got a song. You know, it's like uh, I, I think I'm going to call it roller coaster. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that was my childhood nickname. Oh, I, that's, I'm getting some family recognition yeah. there. You used to call him Roller Coaster? Yeah, yeah. That's clever. Yeah, and it's like, my, I, I was calling it that because it's like what people used to call me before uh, the internet existed, you know? Right, nice. Yeah. Pre-internet vibes. Yeah. Then. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, people want to learn more about uh, you and this wonderful oh, book. Do you, mind if, do you mind if I read a little something? I don't mind. If you, were you supposed to? Um, I didn't know that that well, was a thing. I have been. Okay. Is it okay? Yes, of course. I'm going to just read an excerpt from the book. Yes. Does yeah. everyone want to hear? Okay. So it's not, it's not too long, but uh, I feel like you'll appreciate it here. Years of listening to rap out the anthems about every corner of New York and Los Angeles left me longing for a similar song about my hometown that my friends could relate to. It was a no-brainer that I should make a song about Edmonton. But what aspects of the city would I rap about? There wasn't much in the way of civic pride when it came to our town. It was a country music outpost on a mainstream level and home to a few decent hardcore bands on the underground side. Certainly nothing in the rap world. Edmonton is most famous for having a really large mall and being home to Wayne Gretzky's Oilers dynasty. In many ways, it's Canada's answer to Denver. <laughs> a nondescript, frigid capital city in a flyover province. <laughs> but to me, it was a glittering metropolis with a seedy underbelly that was ripe for rapping about. Drunks trying to break into your car while you're still on the road. Users smoking drugs out of pop cans at the West Edmonton Mall bus station. Shady cab drivers who might break your arm. I mind my limited nightlife experiences, highlighted by a raging house party I threw while my mom was on vacation in China that devolved into an all-out brawl. Edmonton can be a rough town. Lord knows why I ever went to any house parties in the first place. They would inevitably get busted up. Gangs would target the parties and steal video game consoles and DVD players. More than once, I ran out of a house screaming and covering my eyes because someone sprayed bear mace inside. <laughs> I even witnessed a machete fight on the front lawn of a picturesque suburban home. The juxtaposition of a prairie city that was outwardly wholesome but carried a sinister undercurrent was and still is intriguing to me. Oh, very nice. 
Well, again, it's a really wonderful book, and I, I, I'm just very happy for you, as I am whenever I see you do anything. I'm just always very happy you're still at it. Thank you, and I've appreciated your support over the years, and I, I really am glad that you moved to Edmonton. You convinced me to move here, and then there was a pandemic. <laughs> Rolly was one of the first people, I'm like, What's, what are the schools like? What, is it a good city? And he's like, oh, it's the best. Absolutely the best. So now I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> no, it means a lot. So where can people go to learn more about you and Bedroom Rapper and all your comings and goings? Oh, well, I think the best place is my newsletter. I have a Substack newsletter, cadenceweapon.substack.com, uh, where I write my musings. And uh, I have you know all the social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter. It's cadenceweapon on that. Um, okay. Yeah. Now, if uh, for the podcast, if we can go out on a song, and I'm not expecting to perform it here, just everyone calm down. <laughs> if we can go out on a song, maybe from something from your career, anything, yeah, really. Yeah, sure. It's, we're not um, doing a parallel world product placement this time. Oh, cool. What do you want to play? Okay, so I'll do a random song of mine. Random song. Um, how about real estate? Oh, well, we talked about that one. <laughs> sure. Because it's your son's favorite. Let's send this one out to Levon. This is Real Estate by Kane Swip. And make some noise for Rolly Pemberton, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I feel the love. Thank you so much. Just bought a beat, can't deal with the bass Before you used to live where they deal in the bass And you'd only feel real with concealing the mace Not now, wow, you made a great choice This'll be a good home, I think you got a nice voice From a new scene and it feels real fresh Cause the rappers over here don't ever say death Brownstone close, lady, opposite of west We dealing gutter many years, the easy way out Weather's on your side if you go down south Over there it's okay to have gold in your mouth I sold through a house now, it's a work store Real estate sales are the oldest turf war We got pots so you know it hurts more You're on a lease if you're major label Oh no, go, go, I'm a focus man you know Kids got a good look, let's get them on the block With a gray suit, hey, you don't really get it The younger sell a house, let's get more specific I also my city, put your eyes on the digits I get more buildings in the Parkland district The white ass sits on my face for the bus Trust me, I know some other salesmen That rap the same way, but their character fails them They sell out hard and their heads unfurled And you won't see me rapping by a pool with my girlfriend No guns, no, this is a safe neighborhood Where everything is okay, you know, right and all that What's the sales pitch there, ain't no selling I own the same house that I'm selling, yelling I'm
quick. Rappers on the radio don't talk about shit. shit. I know a couple friends went to school for this and dropped out, hopped out with a wax single. Remember that the chorus is a fast food jingle that gets you in the spots where the hot start to mingle. Okay, pop don't stop those rappers that are not gold sellers and are not no better than the states. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.